You're listening to the Strategic Marketing Podcast with James Atine. I'm here with Celeste from Walk Media, who's come to spend some time on our Strategic Marketing Podcast. Celeste, it's great to see you again after a couple of years. Thanks for joining us. Of course, thanks for having me. I'm very glad to be back. Um, so, shall we start from a little bit, just a round of introduction? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, it would be great to hear what you've been up to since you left Imperial a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, it's been a while. Um, so, I started, you know, the strategic marketing program. It's not the online program, but we did spend most of the time through Zoom um, with the lockdown and pandemic. So, didn't really get a chance to visit the campus and just to have a sitting lecture. Um, but other than that, I think the whole program was just very fruitful, very insightful. I learned a lot and really missed it. Um, student days is always... Yeah, I guess today you spent more time on campus than you did when you were doing your degree. I probably will have another tour after our podcast. What I like most about even just the online experience is that, especially with your class, Strategic Marketing Management, we had so much discussion um, initiated, enabled, even just through online. Um, You gave us a lot of case studies, newsletters, even. They're not just a traditional textbook or just theory. So that really just enabled us to touch um, or get just get in touch with all sorts of aspects of this marketing slash advertising industry. This is what um, partially helped me a lot in terms of finding what I like to do and more importantly, what I don't want to do. <laughs> I think that's also very important when you're trying to set out for a career. So you seem to have landed your dream job at Walk Media. Certainly you seem so enthusiastic about the, about the job that you do. Can you tell us a bit about your role uh, perhaps first and then maybe how you managed to land the role at Walk Media? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So currently I work um, at Walk Media. It's one of the pillars in Walk. So we have strategy, media, creative, and digital commerce. So I specifically sit in the Walk Media team. So we write, my title is data journalist. So I use charts, numbers, data to illustrate the industry story. So anything from advertising spending, and like recently Amazon, Meta, Facebook, Google, they all released their last quarter earnings. So that's something the industry, the advertising industry is very keen to know because they want to mm. see those big tech, those players, big boys, where are they spending and did they make more money from advertising? And we have media consumption talking about just how much time people spend on podcasting <laughs> and which is actually a rising consumption channel. Which I is was going to say, how, how much time does your average consumer spend on podcasts? I think globally, if I remember correctly, um, from you know the data we have, will be very close to an hour per day. Really? So that is a lot. And of course, it differs region by region. I know that for a fact that Latin, so Latin America, they consume a lot more podcasts than the global average. And then thus the you know the demand for Spanish um, content, Spanish language content, is on the rise. That also enable creator. And then we'll go to creative economy. There's just like a chain of fascinating things in this industry. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, perhaps if you give me a week on Duolingo, we can come back next week and do <laughs> a Spanish version of our podcast. It sounds so, good. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, going back to just in general what I do, what I love to do, mm. advertising spend, media consumption, and then media cost. Those are the things that's more on the, um, I would say, it's easy to be illustrated through data. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then so we do. I also write copies and commentaries, um, accompany the data point, just to give you know anyone who's reading the article a quick snapshot of what is happening in the industry.、Yeah. And it is my dream job because James, you know how much I love newsletters. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of our like ritual. Sometimes before class or after class, we talk about a case study, we talk about an industry or sector,、mm. and we happen to see. Um, relevant newsletters we just share with each other. I do that a lot with my classmates on WeChat groups or just WhatsApp. Yeah, we share a lot, and I just thoroughly enjoying. I was enjoying reading those newsletters,、mm. and now、um, I get to be one of them to create those contents. Yeah, and that、yeah. diversity of content, you know, is absolutely fascinating. Definitely,、um, yeah, yeah. So I was reading the report that Warp Media put out last year, which you contributed to, which was finding Gen Z. Or、Correct. Gen Z, I guess, if you、uh, if, if you're American,、um, what was your role in that? So maybe if you could bring to life, you know, given you're working in the in the advertising industry, in the ad tech industry, and actually helping companies think about、um, you know how they can get to、um, you know, really access Generation Z in a, in a more thoughtful way. So what would your role have been、uh, in bringing a publication, which is a very successful publication? How, how do you bring that. that to life? Yeah. Definitely. So that's our global ad trends. It's a quarterly report, just touching upon the most important trend、um, that we forecast or that we record, and give it a really comprehensive、um, snapshot, whether it's by region, by channel, by all sorts of metrics. So yeah, that report, which is published last year,、um, about Generation Z or Gen Z, as people like to say it. But circles around the consumption habits of Gen Z in different regions, different countries, about how brands can find them and reach them through different channels.、Um, what are the cool things currently advertisers are doing, and how to really just talk to the consumers、mm. as they are really the rising、um, group that holds potential economic power. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really interesting. I, I think you see, I think a lot of people hold. Um, biases towards Gen Z,、uh, what they think it's like. You know,、mm-hmm. you, you hear these generalizations, and actually, it's quite diverse.、Um, you know, it, a it's a generation, and not just a one-year、uh, segment of a generation. And it's obviously a global generation as well. And picking out the different regional elements, as you did earlier, actually, ironically, when you were talking about podcasts,、mm-hmm. it's amazing how、uh, advertising consumption. Is completely different, you know, in one country to another, or one region to another. Yeah, it was. I know it was fascinating.、Actually. Definitely, when we were doing、um, reports, especially on a global level, we always try to touch upon, you know, different regions, different generations to be inclusive.、Mm-hmm. Um, marketing, advertising, or even business as a whole, I think it's really important to、mm-hmm. always keep in mind the openness, the inclusivity,、mm-hmm. so that、um, it will be effective marketing, effective advertising.、Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's definitely a good point, and I really enjoyed this Gen Z report. I would say I'm a bona fide Gen Z, <laughs> <laughs>、yeah. just on the edge. Yeah, but so being as a Gen Z, when、um, so going back to the original question that you asked,、mm. just how what's my role in the report?、Mm. I went into deep dived into a lot of data sets, look at the trends, trying to pull out the charts、um, to understand what is the narrative there.、Mm-hmm. So.、Um, I work closely with Alex, who's、uh, my manager in the team on Walk Media. So we're trying to piece out through qualitative research, quantitative research, data, interviews to piece out the story, a narrative to talk about 
a story around Gen Z, mm. essentially. Yeah, yeah it's, and a, it's really important, I think, to get the story though, so it hooks the reader early on, mm -hmm. because it's so easy when you, if you're reading the, the mainstream press, and you see these stories about Generation Z, you know, they're, they're generalized, and that's actually when you get those key data points that say they really want to consume. Um, data in this way. They're, they're active in social media in this way. They spend more time on this platform than that platform. This is what turns them on. This is what turns them off. Actually, that's really useful for people you know, in advertising agencies, in marketing roles. Mm -hmm. um, so what I liked about it was just that, that kind of dipping into specifics. Um, you know, that, that, that for me was quite interesting yeah. versus when you're writing about a micro thing like a particular segment or a particular trend, actually it's quite easy to talk about like the metaverse as we'll, we'll probably talk about later if we have time. But that's actually a, a thematic thing. Talking about whole generation was quite a hard uh, you know, yeah. topic to cover, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. Just to um, add to that, during the report when we were trying to find um, people to interview, a lot of amazing industry practitioners, pioneering opinion leaders, we specifically also reach out to Gen Z themselves, those Gen Z that works in this industry, mm. um, which I think it's very special. Um, yeah, you know, it's quite an unusual approach to do it that way, isn't it? Yeah, we, just looking at the target, you're actually looking at the target, actually we, commenting on themselves as well. We want yeah. to also give um, those people a space, a voice, mm -hmm. and it did, you know, add extra insights um, to the whole just the story, and I think that's very valuable as well. Mm. Yeah. So, how did you land this dream job of yours then? What were the what was the thought process? What were the steps? How did you get there? So if we kind of take away the nitty gritty of just <laughs> <laughs> um, search, LinkedIn search, yeah. or um, you know, application process, interview, I think what I wanted to share the most is knowing that this is it. This is the job, the content I wanna do every day. This is something that gives me pleasure going to work every day. Um, so, Coming to this stage, you know, obviously I mentioned that I love newsletter. I did think to myself, okay, what can I do to be someone that be, be able to touch mm -hmm. all aspects in the industry um, and just really focus in advertising. And then this role that's called data journalist that sits on the work media comes up and then I read the job description and just really everything I wanted to do. Yeah. I think it's also, um, important to know what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And going into the job field after graduating, it can be very confusing. What you learned, what we learned in class, um, they might have a very generic title. For mm. example, marketing and management or management or digital advertising, which I remember was still a class, one of the class in the strategic marketing program, is it? So. Those titles, um, we learn a lot. It covers so broad, so many topics and aspects. Yeah. But deep down in the, within the industry, there are so many um, branches, expertise, and that's how people become expert in yeah. the subject. Yeah. So when you talk about digital advertising, you have programmatic, you have social, mm -hmm. um, and just even programmatic, you have so many other, so many different job functions from buyer, planner, um, strategist. So it really depends on what you wanted to really wanted to do. Um, and by figuring out what you want to do, one way is to read, one way is the other way is to reach out, mm -hmm. network with anyone that have worked in this industry, worked in the job title that um, you might find interested, 
which is what I did exactly. Uh, and also just to experience in all sorts of um, industry and job positions to just figure out what you wanted to do. So before prior to this job, um, I work at third-party measurement company. So it's more to know the enablement implementation of a digital campaign. I've also worked in public relations agencies in Hong Kong, in mainland China, in the US, um, also in-house advertising agency, just doing a lot of um, executive, the account exact yeah. type of uh, yeah. So yeah, you actually have up. pretty much you might say you, you took work opportunities to get almost a 360 view of all the kind of roles in advertising and ad tech and looked at it all and said, mm, which ones do I like? I've tried some, I've seen others. Yeah. And actually, I kind of want to do this job, which feels like it cuts across a few of those jobs yeah, in some ways. You definitely. Got some of the best bits of some of those roles <laughs> and not some of the others. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yes, I, I'm very grateful for this opportunity and yeah. just... Um, the, the experience itself in general. I think when you, especially when you work in an agency, mm. it gives you kind of a horizon, a perspective to just look at the industry. The accounts that you work with can vary from really FMCG to luxury to mm. automotive. And through that, one would understand what's int what interests him, her, they the most. Yeah. And I think it's very important. Sometimes in the past, when I was still a student, even when I was in Imperial, I took up um, shadowing project mm -hmm. just to work with something that I'm not familiar with um, so that it can help me understand what exactly is happening in this sector, in mm -hmm. this job. That's and nice. I think that's a very, yeah, that's very useful. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't think I put anywhere near as much work into finding my first job. I kind of landed it. Uh, so that's yeah. great too. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes happy accidents, but actually, I, th I think you, you know, you, you're very happy. It seems in your job because you've done that research. You've looked at it from all these different angles, yeah. um, and obviously, you understand the different verticals. Uh, in terms of you know transport and, and so on as you mentioned precisely yeah. yeah let's talk about one of those those verticals which is um, big tech uh, so in the last few months big tech has had a bit of a, a tough time and you mentioned the results uh, you know which come out quarterly from Amazon and so on and I saw recently that you know Apple uh, missed its guidance you know for the first time and you know lots of uh, interesting um, I, I guess news on the topic so from your point of view how, how do you see the advertising industry you know, in, in tech and maybe the shift. And you mentioned to me before, you know, uh, modern retail and you know, traditional retail. How, how do you see the, the trends um, in, those, in those, uh, those verticals? Yeah, so first of all, everything is intertwined, interlinked mm -hmm. in this industry. So I think um, one thing costs the other and then costs impact the next thing. Mm. But with big tech, we are seeing what people would call it a winter, a winter time. They have experienced tough times. Yeah. Their growth has slowed down. Some company even see negative um, ad revenue Interesting. intake. Yeah. So, so a lot of first for the industry. We also need to take a step back, looking at the industry as a whole, um, a general, just in a general background context. During the pandemic, there was a pause in the ad spend. Mm. And then in 2021, until the beginning of 2022, um, I don't know if, if you notice, there's a big surge in the budget, in the spending, in yes. investment. So the advertising bloom seemed to 
kind of come back right after. And as I understand it, certainly from the clients that I work with and the companies that, uh, that I see working with the school in, in various areas, there was that kind of comeback from COVID investment, right? So let's not miss out on the share of growth that is inevitably coming. Yes. So there was a period of excitement and spend. Yes. And now we seem to be coming out the other end of that. And actually, in many ways, big tech was seen as being very successful in that period, but actually it hasn't endured. So where do you see the winners and losers now coming out into 2023 and the way it's panning out so far this year what, what's your sense it's still growing um mm. you know we we'll see company like spotify like amazon yeah. just on the digital advertising front they still have money coming in social media and when we talk about gen z the, with the consumption habit shifting money are going into places it's not like um the whole industry stopped spending yeah. we're still seeing a lot of ads coming yeah. out on phone tv every day yeah so advertising are still going they're just going in different places maybe the growth would slow down as the com the playground gets more crowded yeah. like you mentioned retail media which is really the next um i would say a big player in this digital advertising this world we know that just from experience in the industry they call it the waves of digital advertising you got search at the very beginning when google started yeah. the google search which is still one of their main revenue source, and you got social media, Meta, um, Snapchat, TikTok, and TikTok is gonna be a big um, thing to watch still. Yeah. So Celeste, maybe you can give us um, an overview of, of retail media and, and why that you're seeing this, uh, this shift um, towards advertising in that, in that channel. What, what's your sense? Yeah, so a very simple, straightforward definition of retail media are the retailer that they have online capacity, they're starting to sell out advertising slots. So as a user, as a consumer, you log into the website, for example, Sainsbury, Walmart, um, and you would naturally see sponsored product coming out. Yes. And that process, we have advertising and advertising buying, advertising planning involved. Interesting. And advertising revenue will go into whether the brand or the retail media, the platform, in this case, Walmart. So all of all of all are creating in, immense advertising opportunities yes. for both the platform and advertisers. And of course, with, you know, the pandemic propelled really online shopping, the grocery shopping, the grocery business, yes. we see social commerce, mm -hmm. e-commerce, digital commerce overall just exploded. And I see this trend will carry on especially um, with the help of um, the demise of cookie. Yes. So people are more and more concerned about their data privacy, yes. about their personal information. So whoever as an advertiser or platform that holds users data, hold the more user data will be uh, more attractive. Uh, more powerful. More powerful. It's always, it's always struck me as a, a big factor in the success of platforms. Um, it, you know, has really been the the ability to monetize the data and the idea of the first party cookies, uh, you know, changing, you know, obviously is, uh, you know, is going to be a big driver of that. But at the same time, I'm not sure a lot of consumers, although they say they care about privacy and how the data is handled, they still stay on these platforms, whether it's, you know, Facebook a few years ago, um, or whether it's, you know, TikTok or whatever the, you know, the, the, the topic at the time might be. Um, they're just, you know, very sticky. And it seems like sometimes it's about perception. So if I think about, I'm watching television and I'm watching a, a television channel where there's an advert break, commercial break in between, I know 
I sense someone is paying for me to watch an advert. When I go to an e-commerce site for one of the, these retail um, media environments, I don't always sense that something has been placed in a certain way. It's much more subtle. And is that one of the reasons it's more successful or is it because we're spending more time shopping online? What's your sense about why retail um, media is, you know, what's behind it? Is it social trends? What was your sense? Uh, I would say, first of all, the necessity, mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 just the, it fulfill people's basic needs yeah. in just getting stuff um, with search as well. So search, just when you search anything, simply typing anything into Google or any search engine. Yeah. So there were advertising involved. Yeah. And when you're trying to search a product through the Walmart um, website, trying to find a lamp, a water yeah. bottle, and all those will prompt an, advertise, yes. um, an advertisement. So um, add money going into that process, you just complete it. Yes. So it really just fulfill people's day-to-day life. Mm. Anything that's, like you mentioned, unconscious action, yeah. um, there are advertising involved. It might be not as straightforward as looking, watching TV and seeing an ad popping up. Yes. And then you might consciously leave, stand up and leave the room. We should talk about TikTok. Okay. Can you maybe give us a view, perhaps from a consumer's perspective, when we were talking earlier, uh, about why TikTok um, is is so high um, on the, on the agenda? Yeah, so short video app, TikTok. I wouldn't say pioneered, but TikTok definitely popularized it. You see, users at all age are using this app, and it's definitely on top of the marketers marketers agenda. So a lot of, again, a lot of ad spend investment goes into the platform. Um, TikTok, whose mother company is ByteDance, that's um, headquartered in China, they don't really release their advertising revenue. Interesting. Yeah, so, but we do know that it is very popular among whether it's advertiser, agencies, um, because you can really reach so many people. And I don't know if you have used TikTok. Briefly. Briefly. I feel very old when I, when I watch stuff on TikTok. Do do you feel like you would get addicted throwing the, scrolling the uh, videos? Uh, No, but I know a lot of people who are addicted to TikTok uh, and they love the song and dance format and I cannot dance. (laughs) Uh, so I just always feel terrified whenever I see I see TikTok. But I, I see a lot of people using TikTok, and I can see just the just the the way that it's designed, you know, to to engage, you know, is just fascinating. It just seems to hit a lot of the the hot buttons for a lot of the audience, and they just seem to go back to it, you know, because it's fun. Um, mm-hmm. it, how do you see how do you see TikTok's uh, kind of appeal? Definitely. So I would say. This appeal, this sticky yeah, that you mentioned, stickiness, yeah. is behind that. I think it's people's um, longing for a sense of community. Mm. So whether you want to admit or not, um, we're people who are online now don't necessarily don't necessarily want to stand out, especially yeah. Gen Z. Going yeah. back to the global ad trends, finding Gen Z report, we did. We found out. We found out that this generation. Um, which is also the majority of users on TikTok or new social media like Be Real yes. and, and Discord and such. So they, they have a very strong sense of community. Yes. They hop between platforms. They might use Reddit, Discord, yeah. you know, TikTok, Snap. They might open all those apps in a single hour. Yeah. In one day, they use all sorts of apps. They switch between. But what, they, what keeps, keeps them in one place is the community. Across all the platforms, they might search for the same things. Yeah. They might look for the same content. 
So it complicates media planning. You want to reach the same group of people, yeah. but you want to talk to them in a different way on different platforms that really catch their attention. And you know that they're basically repertoire shopping across all these across all these platforms. Definitely social commerce yeah. on top of that. So it's just really um, empowering this this attention, the attention, the engagement. And once attention engagement is is achieved then it really becomes a valuable yeah. place. I remember reading the, the Finding Gen Z report and I was thinking about the topic of it. It triggered the topic of loyalty in my head. So, you know, does Generation Z have a strong sense of brand loyalty or actually does it have a stronger sense of community loyalty? Mm -hmm. um, and indeed loyalty to a small core group of places that it hangs out on platforms, as you've just mentioned. Do you think that's true? Is it more about loyalty to a community than individual brands? Uh, you know, is brand loyalty dead? maybe as a topic for another day, but in a, in a short conversation, what, what do you think? Community definitely um, stands out more. Mm. So the time where you look for an influencer, the Instagram era has kind of faded away. Yeah. You look just for what represents you as you. Yeah. And at the same time, you want to look for people that who are similar to you. So yeah. you want to really just talk to, engage with people um, that are you know on the same page with you yeah. and a brand if a brand advertiser um, whatever can really speak to the generation yeah. in that way then they will grow affinity ah interesting so i was always struck by the, the growth of the, the rapid growth of discord you know so being an online gamer yeah. i used to use things like team speak you know for, for, for chatting while in a game or something but discord took that and then built it into a whole place you can spend the day and chat rooms and moving around and it really just seemed to, to grow crazy what what do you think discord's kind of recipes for success was how how did that get such traction when other similar more basic um i guess competitors kind of struggled more what, what's your sense on on discord i think again is apart from the enabling of technology yeah. um then people have more access to internet game consoles and play more games mm. as well definitely it, it, it sounds repetitive it is the sense of community it, it is, is yeah. again the community yeah. um similarly with twitch people might spend time on that just to watch live stream. I just don't understand. Personally, I'd rather be playing the game than watching other people play the game. But I know that Generation <laughs> I'm the opposite. Z, yeah, no, Generation Z are fascinated by, 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 by both, right? Playing the game, but also more, as it sounds like, actually watching the other people. What can I learn from it? What can I experience? Mm -hmm. Commenting and discussing it, you know, I guess is also a focal point. Exactly. I just don't get that myself. But that's because I'm not Gen I'm not Gen Z, so maybe I'm just not quite out of touch. But on the topic of gaming, one of the big things on gaming um, is also the role of gaming in the metaverse. Yeah. So if you look at Epic Games, for example, uh, you know, have been phenomenally successful um, in, in trying to own a bigger space of media and entertainment in general. So what are your views on, you know, the, what do you call it? Uh, you have a phrase for this, I think. <laughs> so I didn't coin the phrase, yeah. but I love the phrase. We call that, so I call that protoverse. Mm -hmm. So proto-metaverse. Mm -hmm. Metaverse as a concept is evolving, is not clearly defined. Um, nobody in the industry or just in the world have a unified definition of mm -hmm. metaverse. It's more a prospect of the future that you, 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 we think it could happen. Currently, what advertise, advertiser market is operating in the space um, is more close to gaming mm. than a complete virtual world. Yeah. So 
What's interesting is, so at Walk, we have this marketer toolkit where we interview thousands of marketers around the world, ask about their opinions, yeah. about the next future trends, really things from um, organize, organizational structure to investment. So one of the questions that I'm very, I had a very deep impression about was mm. asking, we asked about um, marketers' perception for metaverse in the future, would it become a most important trend okay. by 2025? So it's very interesting. We, we recently published a report called Future of Media, mm. and we talked about, we, we gave metaverse a um, couple of slides, because yeah. it's really a big topic in this industry. Yeah. So I can tell you just a little bit teaser that um, just a little bit over 20% marketers globally yeah think that metaverse will become the most important trend by 2025. So now if you think, if you connect that with the hype around metaverse, it's not as high as you might think so. No. How, so there are definitely skepticism lingering around. And more interesting, more interesting is that um, a lot of the advertisers and marketers didn't rank AR, VR, so augmented reality or virtual reality, blockchain, NFT as high as metaverse, not as like even half of us high. So those are technologies that really enable yeah. the concept of metaverse. Yeah, they enable the experience, I guess, in this virtual world as opposed to defining the virtual world. Yeah. Because if I think back to 3D glasses that used to come with televisions 10 years ago, you know, people aren't, well, no one I know anyway, are wearing the 3D glasses anymore uh, because it was something 3D was gonna be a big thing. Is it, is, what do you think it is about the VR? Is it, is it wearing? strapping your mobile phone to your head, uh, you know, as a disincentive, or actually is it that actually having a two-dimensional image on a, on a mobile device or is actually good enough for most people, more comfortable? Mm -hmm. Is that why VR, AR is less important? Is it actually the community, as you mentioned earlier? You know, the visual experience isn't yeah. as important as the actual activity that's being engaged in the metaverse. What, what's your sense? I think it comes to one word, accessibility, mm. and it doesn't just mean accessibility to the device. Okay. Of course, yeah. uh, the the quest is that what Meta's recent push for their VR device. So things like that device devices will, of course, um, enable people yeah. to log into the metaverse yeah. and access to the device. Yeah whether you can buy or whether one can afford it, whether they can link to the device they already have, will really determine the um, popularity of it. On the other hand, when I mean accessibility, I think it's more about the understanding of this future world. So one thing you said, uh, Celeste, is accessibility is a, is a major factor uh, when considering the metaverse and how big it might be. So maybe you can say a bit more about that, your views on that. Mm -hmm. Accessibility, in my opinion, not only means people accessing the device itself, yes. um, like the VR glasses or the headset, there is also a side of accessibility that talks about people's understanding of metaverse or the potential of this future virtual reality. Yeah. I think ultimately a connection, an Im immersion of the virtual world, Web2, which is the internet, what we have, um, and the reality we're living in yeah. will be seamlessly connected. Mm -hmm. So right now we're seeing through Roblox, through a lot of the, um, like Minecraft as well, although it's still gaming, strictly gaming, it's more similar to what we have to a metaverse. People are creating their avatar 
their alter ego in that community. And it's very extremely similar to what they have on their web too, which is internet, Instagram, everything, Snapchat, TikTok, you're creating that avatar and also what you what you are, um, what you want to be in the reality world. So that could be a way to understand the future of uh, metaverse. And it will just come down to people's accepting uh, acceptance and understanding of this concept and the technology as we move forward. And you think that explains a big part of that 20% actually is it's going to take time to build mm -hmm. the understanding, yeah. take time for people to access it, try it, because it is an opportunity cost. You know, if something's quite raw and quite new and exciting and hype, I want to talk about it. But do I really want to spend a lot of hours trying to get it to work to an accessible level? I guess it might be something to think, think about as well. Yeah. So possibly metaverse metaverses some of them may be successful at some point in the future but maybe marketers are a bit more realistic um, than others yeah. about how long it might take to actually happen does that sound fair yeah there are definitely more way more urgent topic and yeah. issues to tackle for marketers and advertisers so celeste we've covered a range of topics which will be i think certainly for me were fascinating in terms of where advertising is going where retail space is going and how marketing more broadly can learn from a lot of these these insights from your, your ad tech uh, perspective. So any final thoughts for the strategic marketing students as they're thinking about how they can find a job that you love as much as yours? Yeah, I really enjoyed our chat just now. I think um, one piece of advice I'd like to share is just to always be curious and read, look out for um, whether it's news or just information about the industry you want to work with, whether it's consulting, whether it's advertising, whether it's marketing. There's so much resource out there. And what I found most useful to me was to just read and reach out and talk to people that works in the industry. Do people generally respond positively when you ask people for advice and help or not? No, it's not, it's not, it's not a 100% um, yeah. <laughs> rate. May, may not probably not even 50 50. Yeah. it's really about just identifying and trying i did a lot of the work before i reach out i make yeah. sure that i understand um what the person is working on i made sure that the question is um, valuable and of course there are just when people have more time and more, more available yeah. and for that i really appreciate it. and i myself try to help the fellow students uh, especially international talents and girls female um, in the industry yeah. so whoever whenever they have questions i do get a lot of linkedin message yeah. uh, reaching out and i will try my best to help or just to exchange ideas there are a lot of the, there are a lot of um industry practitioners that have helped me personally in my journey. So I'm very grateful for them. And I want to do the same yeah. for the fellow students. And that I is think fantastic. No, I think uh, that's great advice. I think just reach out uh, and, and do the research beforehand so that they have something, you know, preparation and you know you're targeting the right people and you come across and they can have a great conversation with you, then they win as well. So actually it becomes a win-win. Yeah. So. Thanks, Les. Great advice. And thanks for spending the, uh, the time with us today. Cheers. Thank you for having me.